the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the mics after 20 plus years of friendship and 20 plus years of pro wrestling family. Glenn Enos Jr. It's like Broadway, but in a squared circle. Nate the Great Tabor. How can you get invested in a guy who's not even on TV anymore? The Verbal Smackdown. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Wicked Wrestling proudly brings to you its undisputed podcast champions of the world, Glenn Enos Jr., Nate the Great Tamer, The Verbal Smackdown. What is up, buddy? How are you? (sighs) Doing all right. I'm hyped. You got me hyped up with that promo, I'll tell you. I, I mean, mean I figured, how else can we start the inaugural episode of the Verbal Smackdown with, you know, any other intro besides one of the greatest tag teams of all time, the New Age Outlaws? I don't I don't think you can. One of the greatest, without a doubt. Um, and we're going to be talking about some greats here tonight, uh, who we think some of the greatest superstars are uh, and, and beyond. We got a lot to talk about. Right. And for those of you listening for the first time, this is our first ever episode of the Verbal Smackdown. Some of you say, what the heck have I stumbled upon? Why am I listening to these two jackoffs talk about pro wrestling? Because, because New Day rocks. Now, because honestly, we've had such good conversations. We're lifelong wrestling fans. And uh, like, we just love talking wrestling. We love what wwe brings what other companies bring too and we just love talking about pro wrestling so we figured why not share it with an audience you know i mean i'm sure some of you share some of our opinions that we're going to discuss over the course of this podcast and um you can either agree with us or you can agree to disagree and have your own opinions about wrestling because it's so uh subjective what happens in the wwe and all pro wrestling and um one of my best good friends i have the, have the honor to do it alongside him. And I can't think of anybody else who knows wrestling as good as Nate. Well, when we get into our uh, our first part of this podcast, the how we got into it, I got I got nobody, a little spoiler alert, but I got nobody to thank but you, Glenn, because it was really you who got me into the wrestling. So uh, I guess, yeah, let's, let's break it down. Let's talk about our origins of wrestling. I mean... I'll start, Nate, because like, like you said, I'm the one who introduced it to you. So the first time I ever laid eyes on professional wrestling, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was five years old, and my dad had ordered a pay-per-view, and I had, like, I had no idea what was going on. He said, you want to watch wrestling? I said, yeah, sure. So we ordered a pay-per-view, and the pay-per-view was Royal Rumble 2000. Now, Nate, have you ever seen this pay-per-view? I know you've shown it to me before. I just don't know if I remember all the ins and outs of it. So, uh, but I know I, if you, yeah, I've, I've seen it before. I, I might, I might be a little biased towards it because, like I said, it's the first show I've ever watched. But I think Royal Rumble 2000 still holds up today as one of the greatest Royal Rumbles that there has ever been in WWE. Um, I mean, you're talking peak attitude era. They're, they're coming, you know, they basically turned the tide in the Monday Night Wars. And, WWF at the time is just slamming with ratings, slamming with superstars. And it was really a spectacle to watch. And not only from like just a pro wrestling standpoint, but just from an entertainment standpoint. At that time, even if you weren't a wrestling fan, you'd be tuning into Monday Night Raw 
Thursday night SmackDown just to watch what's going to happen. Cause you were entertained. What do you like, you know, wrestling or not as, as what it is. Um, and my five-year-old eyes watch wrestling for the first time. And then obviously the Royal Rumble, um, the winner, that ro- specific Royal Rumble is the rock. And that's where I first mm-hmm. got, I, that's when I first became one of the millions and millions of rock fans. Oh. Just oh, rock won the Royal Rumble. I said, after he won the Royal Rumble, uh, also a controversial ending because Big Show had him. They were the last two in the ring. Had Rock on his shoulder. goes to flip him over the top rope. Rock hangs on. Big Show falls over him. Apparently, Rock's feet didn't hit the ground. So, Rock's the winner. Rock gets on the top rope, does the smells in the air. And that's I was like, that's the guy I like. My five-year-old ass was like, yep. I like that guy. And ever since then, been a huge Rock fan. So, that was my first introduction to wrestling, five years old. Been watching it basically ever since. Kind of took a little hiatus. Um, kind of as towards WWE was progressing into the ruthless aggression area, into the PG era. Um, but that's my mm-hmm. origins of wrestling. So I've been, you know, 20, 25 years old, been a wrestling fan for 20 years now. So, Nate, let's let's hear You've heard enough of my background. Let's, let's go about what do you think. Well, you said uh, something that really I connected with. And it's funny that your first experience watching wrestling you connected with your favorite wrestler of all time you know which is what happened to me we'll get into that but the thing that you said that connected with me was um it's about the it was almost like the entertainment was separate from the wrestling because it had those those other elements whether it's like the the storylines the characters and that's what i always loved about it because when i I was first uh, first watched wrestling in 2004, but before that, I didn't really like it, and I had never seen it before. But I had heard about it, heard about it through you, Matt, and some other friends in um, elementary school or whatever. And I was always put off by it. You know, I I didn't understand it. It was kind of like, um, and then I and then I saw like uh, started seeing like these um, these Jim White videos that you guys were going crazy over laughing about. And I was like, oh my God, this is even worse than wait, I thought wait. when I saw those. Pause for a second. Pause for a second. Please don't tell me your first introduction into pro wrestling was Jim White videos. It, like besides, I think like you guys talking about it, that was like the first, <laughs> not, you know, not obviously there's no matches or whatever, but it was like my first WWE seeing that. And I was like, oh my God, this is awful. Like, this is so screwed up or whatever. But for those, for those listening who don't know who Jim White is, I know it's, it's Tim White. Oh, yeah, Tim White. Tim White, I'm yeah. sorry. Tim White was, was a referee um, for the WWE at the time. Um, he ended up getting hurt in the match and then he stopped refereeing after that. But after his referee career, he used to just come on certain shows and have certain promos with superstars. <laughs> and he would basically find a way every week to to kill himself like to <laughs> off himself in the most yeah. way possible and i don't know why this was a thing but like like we said it's just entertainment so go yeah. ahead but that being the first thing that you know opened your eyes to pro wrestling is fascinating yeah and um you know i was really and then i and i, I saw smackdown one night as kind of like i probably would have watched it before 2004 and then joined you guys just to see what it was all about but i remember my mother was always like okay it's time to go to bed now you know raw comes on late i think smackdown wasn't available to me until it went on like the upn network or 
something. It was on some weird channel that I couldn't even get. I think I think it started on UPN, then it went to like the CW or something. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I was in that's that same it. boat too, because like I never really watched Raw like in my younger years as a kid because it was on at nine o'clock. Couldn't stay yeah. up that late. So SmackDown was my, you know, pride and joy and what I watched every time. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 please. But um I yeah, I turned on SmackDown one night. I think it was uh I it was like right at the end and it was um JBL defending the WWE championship against Eddie Guerrero in the steel cage. And Mick Foley, I don't know if you've heard Mick Foley's story about how he like was hooked on wrestling was when um Jimmy he went to Madison Square Garden, right. sat in the stands, and Jimmy Snooker jumped off the cage. Yeah, iconic Jimmy Snooker dive. Yep, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's those moments, like you remember those once in a lifetime moments. And uh, Eddie Guerrero did the frog splash. And I was like, oh my God, he's got to be dead. And um, I was hooked. And I just loved Eddie Guerrero's character so much. And like you with The Rock, I hooked right on to um, Eddie Guerrero and to have Kurt Angle come out there and screw him out of the title at the end of the match and the whole the storyline and everything. It's with wrestling, you can't take anything too seriously. This Jim White, uh, Tim White stuff, it's so over the top, and that's what I just loved about it. Hey, and, and, the thing is too, and like, I, I mean, let, let's backtrack for a second. So, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously have some stake in wrestling. You've seen it before, you know about it, you've heard about it. But one thing is, you gotta you gotta believe in it, and not. And I'm not saying like believe in like you know obviously it's performers they're telling a story with their bodies they're putting on a show to entertain you for those squares you know uh wrestling's not real i don't really believe in like i don't get it how do you guys watch wrestling all right so basically what wrestling is is how everybody watches movies everybody watches tv shows these guys are actors Except they're actors and they're performing with their body. It's like Broadway, but in a squared circle. It's like yeah. your favorite characters, your favorite TV shows, and they're performing live with no rehearsals, no outtakes. I mean, they yeah. could be outtakes if it's pre-recorded, but I mean, it, it's it's great. And and when you add storylines to that, I feel like it's like kind of like soap operas, but for uh, men and and, yeah. and young kids and stuff like that. And it's it's just so. Everything about wrestling, I, I, I just love and I can't, I can't get enough of. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for the wrestlers. I mean, I... I and that's the thing. And, and like, I mean, people forget, yeah. like, oh, it's fake. He's not really hitting him, you know? He, if, he wouldn't react like that if he really got punched in the face. It's like, obviously, you know, they do working moves to where they're not actually hurting the guy. You don't want to hurt the person that you're working with. Yeah. I mean, in some jobs you do. But in, in this case, it's like, okay, you're performing. You're putting on a show. But the fact that they're also in the ring and putting their bodies on the line, stuff can go wrong. Stuff can happen. Bones can be broken. You hit the mat the wrong way, you know, yeah. and you, you can suffer, you know, internal injuries. You could slip off the top rope, land on the concrete floor and break your neck. And then you're saying, oh, is wrestling fake now? Like, no, it, it, you know, this stuff happens. Um, and, and that's why I give people who take on the career of being a pro wrestler a lot of credit because one they're trying to entertain an audience and two they're putting their bodies on the line to entertain an audience and for the people who say i don't get it you know it's like that's fine to each his own but you've got to understand 
where they're coming from and respect the level of things that they do to put on a show for your entertainment. Actors in movies and stuff, Tom Cruise ain't doing the shit. I mean, no. if he has a stunt double, you know, I mean, they're not doing stuff like that. Like, well, it's you got to respect it. You got to be actor, stuntman, voiceover expert. You have to be, you have to wear so many hats to do this wrestling that the level of anxiety and just to have your head in that game, you have to be totally enveloped by that world. That's why these guys are on the, the road for what? 300 plus days a year in WWE. Right. Um, no, I have a lot of respect and I think it takes a lot of skill. Um, and you know, it's, you know, yeah. Oh, it's, then you could even say some people say, Oh, well, it's stupid. They're hitting themselves. They're hurting themselves. Well, that adds, you're not hurting. Like you said, you're not hurting each other on purpose and that adds to the sports entertainment aspect of it right. so you put on a physical match it's like dancing or you know ballroom dancing skating whatever you got two people in the ring tell a story with we with our bodies as triple h would say right so and then uh but yeah and i like i said i just want to throw that out there so if you are listening and you're one of those phonies who say anything's fake and uh, i don't get it then just tune out just tune out <laughs> Because we're going to be talking a lot of professional wrestling. And uh, I say pro wrestling, that's what it is. Vince McMahon would tell you otherwise, saying it's sports entertainment, which technically it also is. But when you sign up to be a professional wrestler, you sign up for pro wrestling. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, let's, let's move on. I mean, those are our origins of wrestling. So you said, I said my favorite was The Rock growing up. Um, obviously, as I continue to watch The Rock left, he's gone and done bigger things. Um, I was a huge John Cena fan growing up That's as well. Right. I, I loved John Cena. I thought once The Rock left, uh, you know, who could be the next favorite guy that I had? And John Cena just, he, he had the look of a guy who was charismatic. He can make you yeah. laugh with his promos. He could, you know, you could take him seriously in the ring. Um, and he was one of the best in that era. Um, who else did you did you like growing up besides Guerrero? Well, I had to find some newbies to like because Eddie Guerrero unfortunately didn't last too long. He <laughs> was he was uh, he was gone pretty soon after I started watching. But I fell into a thing um, with JBL. I know there's not a lot of JBL fans out there, but to me, JBL is just like one of the most old school smash mouth in your face. He doesn't need to do any fancy thing in the ring. He just beat, beat people up, you know? And the thing is like, the thing with JBL is he's now as a kid, right? You, 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 you're rooting for good guys, bad guys, this and that. But when you get older and you try to understand, you know, the business of wrestling and why people do certain things and their characteristics, you start to appreciate the bad guys more as you grow older. And looking back on it, I fucking hated <laughs> JBL because he was just a guy that you, you love to hate. But then you realize as you're older, holy shit, he's great because he did such a good job at yeah. making me hate him. And that's his job. He's supposed to make you hate him. He's supposed to be the arrogant prick from Wall Street, who turns everything he touches into gold, and then you can never get him, you can never lay your hands on him, because he always gets away with it, and every single month, he would walk away with the WWE Championship after getting his ass kicked, or yeah. some, you know, by hook or by crook, he would walk out of that ring as champion, and it pissed me off. <laughs> but it made you like Undertaker that much more, Eddie Guerrero, right. whoever he was 
Yeah, exactly. So, and, and, and that's the thing. And that's what makes a great heel. Uh, just yeah. people that you love to hate and root against. And um, then fast forward. I'm sorry, we're going off track, but a lot of people compare like Jinder Mahal to JBL. Oh my God. Jinder Mahal, one of the worst WWE champions of all time. One of the worst heels of all time. Does JBL a huge disservice? That guy, I'm sorry, I'm probably making enemies on our first episode here. But. I mean, I don't know how many Jinder Mahal fans we have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but. depends how you look at it. I can't really... You're comparing apples and oranges, I think, when you compare Jinder Mahal and JBL. Well, that's what I'm I'm saying. Right. I, I, mean. I think, I think they're, they were both good in their own unique ways. I think JBL is obviously better. Um, better mic skills, this and that. They, I, I, what, that whole Jinder Mahal title run, like what they were trying to do, I respect it. But it's just like, it was just weird. It was weird timing. Like, it didn't fit. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. I respect it, too. and And... Jinder Mahal could have been a fine WWE, left a fine lasting legacy, but he literally, he lost the title. And then next week he's on like, you know, our present day version of right. it. It's like, it's like, it take a guy who was nothing. Absolutely. Like at least with JBL, he was an established WWE superstar. He was yeah. a former, you know, tag team champion with the APA. Now he's off doing a single thing and now he's finally breaking out and branching out Has a character. Jinder Mahal part of 3MB, always a jobber, always doing, you know, favors for everybody. And then all of a sudden you're going to make this push with him. He becomes WWE champion, has a pretty good title reign, but then you don't continue his success after he loses right. himself. You don't continue to build on that character with Jinder Mahal. You just basically push him back to the end of the line. Because Jinder yeah. Mahal, what's he doing now? I couldn't even tell you. And I don't, I don't watch wrestling as much, like as weekly as I used to, but I do catch him on recaps and stuff. Watch the pay-per-views month, month by month. Yeah. What what's Jinder Mahal doing? Well, he's doing nothing, is what he's doing. Right. I mean, uh, sorry to take us off track here. We're talking about heels and what we how we got so invested in them. I mean, did anybody really? How can you get invested in a guy who's not even on TV anymore? You know, and then he's WWE champion or whatever. Right. I mean, I mean, people argue like during his title run, he was a good heel. I'd say that. I'd say he he wasn't wasn't a bad heel champion. Mm-hmm. He beat some guys um, with credibility, Randy Orton. Um, did he beat AJ? He beat, yeah, he beat Randy Orton. That's big. He beat, um, I think he beat AJ too. I'm not 100%. I think AJ Randy got AJ. the belt off of him. Yeah. But, but he had a couple big victories in his title run besides Orton. Um, I don't know. But yeah, Jinder Mahal. Like I said, you made that JBL comparison growing up. I'll go back to, you know, like I said, when I was really young and, and yeah. I, I like The Rock. Uh, Triple H. Triple H was yeah. basically the opposite of what The Rock was. Everything I wanted The Rock to do, Triple H would, you know, do the opposite. And that's what made him such a good heel. And as a kid, I fucking couldn't stand Triple H. And even as he progressed, as his character progressed going into uh, Ruthless Aggression era with Evolution, you just hated Triple H. Because... When he faced The Rock and when they feuded, they had great matches. But every time Triple H won, it was because some bullshit thing that happened. He yeah. would never beat The Rock fair and square. And it would just be like, oh, like, why, why did he get away with that? And that honestly, that's what makes a good heel. And you continue to watch because you want to see that guy get his ass kicked. Well, I remember I wasn't watching, but I've heard about. And actually, you, you used to send me the tapes, too, now that I remember it. And I think that was after I started in tw- uh, 2004 with that 
Eddie Guerrero moment and everything. But now, when you say tapes for our younger listeners, back in my day, we had to record. <laughs> we didn't have the DVR. We had to record with the VHS tapes, the pay per views, and then we pass yeah. them out to school to our friends who couldn't buy the pay per view. Yeah. And and they weren't cheap either. They weren't ten bucks a month on the WWE Network. They were like six <laughs> fucking sixty bucks a pop to buy a pay per view. WrestleMania <laughs> yeah. was like almost a hundred or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh my God, those those are something else. People, kids, kids today don't know how easy they have it with the WWE Network and everything. But um, yeah. No, go ahead. As far as you said with the tapes, sorry. I remember WrestleMania 21, Triple H. That was kind of the big, was if I'm not mistaken, that his, you felt like Batista, and that was his big, big loss after a long few little while, like big singles loss. Anyway, the triple threat with Shawn Michaels and, uh, <clears throat> but, um, and who? <clears throat> we can talk but, about, um, hey, we can talk about him on this show. Hey. Yeah, of course. Chris, I'm just joking. Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit, Shawn Michaels, uh, Triple H, Triple Threat. I think Triple H was the one who tapped out, but it was like the Triple H show for a while there, wasn't well, it? Like all Raw, episodes of Raw would be like literally beginning segment Triple H, middle segment Triple H, end it with Triple H, backstage. And the thing was, and the thing was with Triple H when he was at Evolution, and this might have been Triple H in his prime. I'm going to say this right now. Evolution Triple H was Triple H in his prime. Why? Because he was that heel who showed up on Raw every Monday, gave his two cents about what he's going to do to this guy, blah, blah, blah. Never fucking wrestled on Raw. If you wanted to see Triple H wrestle, you would have to buy the pay-per-view, which brought in viewers because you would need, you would like, you'd want to see Triple H lose to Goldberg, to Kane, to Randy Orton yep. when he feuded with him after. Like, you wanted to see him lose and you'd have to buy the pay-per-view because he wouldn't wrestle on Raw. Every, he would handpick people from Evolution to go fight his battles for him. And that was the most frustrating thing in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Raw, was, Raw at that point when Ruthless Aggression Era first started, it was just all Triple H. Like Triple H carried Raw. And the thing was, I yeah. like I said, I couldn't stay up to watch Raw on Mondays. So my grandmother, mm-hmm. it's funny. She watched wrestling because I watched wrestling. She would get hooked into it. So she'd be watching Monday Night Raw. And I would watch SmackDown. And whenever I see her over the weekend, we talk about Raw and SmackDown, but she would give me the insight of what happened on Raw because I couldn't stay up to watch it. Oh, that's cute. So I, w- I was able to watch SmackDown. SmackDown at the time was at peak performance. You know, you had Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Whew. you know, like all these guys. And they're just having great matches, good storylines too, to go along with while Raw was more like slow paced, not as good at action, but it had Triple H. And had bigger stars, yeah. you know, Kane, this and that. Um, and she was she would just give me a recap. She's like, Oh, that damn Baptista. She was calling him Baptista instead of Batista. That damn Baptista always always that. fighting Triple H's battles for him. And I can't stand Eric Bishop. Eric Bishop, she used to call him instead of Bischoff, Bishop. Yeah. And uh it was just yeah, I mean, it's just good times, and it's funny to think about now because evolution, triple H, and how good of heels they were just got under your skin as a kid and uh and like i said you give looking back at it now as adults like you give them so much credit and respect for what they did you know uh growing up with storylines yeah they really triple a like and it's similar with triple h with i guess jbl or any of our all-time favorites growing up is the the characters they hit the nail on the head with 
bringing out their characters. Like I can really picture right, uh, picture Triple H being a real jerk like this. You know, it's not like he's trying to be something he's not. And I think that's a little bit of maybe the problem with today's wrestlers. But anyway, um, no, let's let's talk about that. I mean, like we're talking about growing up as kids and obviously seeing this stuff, and we were hooked on it. But yeah, it's not it's not just us. Like you watch wrestling today, and even watching as an adult, like. And here's the thing that's annoying, and I've talked about this with other people too, is that as wrestling fans, we're, we're kind of spoiled because we've already seen the peak eras of wrestling as far as like the attitude yeah. era and then ruthless aggression. And you have to put it in your mind that like, we're not going to go back to that because at that time, like I said before, people who weren't wrestling fans were tuning in to Monday Night Raw every night just to be entertained as far as what was going on, whether it was Stone Cold slamming beers whether it was, you know, The Rock doing a promo, whether it was a bra and panties mm-hmm. match, you want to see Sable's boobs, you would tune in yeah. to Monday Night Raw. Growing up. It was raw. It was real. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. And But now it's like it kind of tuned down with the PGR. It's more centered towards kids. So as an adult fans who grew up with that and then they watch the product now, yeah. they're not satisfied with what they get. But as a point, as a wrestling fan, you have to respect what they're doing. There's yeah. like now – in my opinion, the athletes now in today's WWE are 10 times the athletes that were wrestling 15, 20 years ago. And that's a bit of a problem if you ask me, but and, I, mean, and I guess some thing. people like it. But So, so you, have your, you have your, you know, your hardcore indie fans who are like, wow, I love this flippity doodah crap, all these matches and fast-paced action. I love it, I love it, I love it. Yeah. But it's also like, it's kind of too much. If you keep seeing the same shit over and again, it's like, okay, if this guy can do a 450 splash on the top rope into a drop kick into something else, and the next guy can do it in the same exact manner in the same exact match, it's like, okay, it's kind of getting washed. Like, we've seen this stuff before. And I feel like that's what the problem with AEW is too. You have all this great action, all these young guys, but they're all trying to get their shit in. It's like, save the big moments and big spots for big moments, like big shows, pay-per-views, main events. You got to save this stuff because if you keep doing every single thing in your repertoire, every single match, it's going to get old. It's going to get stale and you can't evolve as a superstar and get people to like you or dislike you. Um, So that, and I like, like I said, back to the people who are indie fans and love that pro wrestling action. I mean, they're having a field day with the action that we're getting now, because Mm -hmm. like I said, as far as the action in ring itself, it hasn't been better than what we have today. The athletes are in top condition. They can do things that nobody could do before. But, but is the storytelling better? No, absolutely not. Because you don't have characters like a Mr. McMahon, like a Stone right. Cold Steve Austin, like a Triple H, like an Eddie Guerrero. You know, like the characters today are so still. And there's a handful who are good, who do have, who do cut good promos. Roman Reigns since he's been doing this heel yeah. stuff with Paul Heyman has been top notch. And I wish we saw this three years earlier. I know. Right. Now they've got to do it in front of no fans. It right. Been- and, and, and that's the thing. So obviously <laughs> with everything with COVID, there's no fans in it. And it's, it's a lot harder to watch with no fans because literally you're performing in front of a live audience and the audience is part of a show. You know, you want to see that happen and, and, and how the audience reacts. Like it, yeah, I, I that's think- it. It's yeah, I want to see how they would have reacted to that. And it would have been a good reaction. People wanted that to happen. So a huge fucking pop. And the thing is now, if Roman Reigns goes out there with Paul Heyman, I believe in front of a live audience with the shit that they've been doing for the past six months, 
or however long they've been doing this Roman heel character, Roman Reigns would not get booed. People would be cheering for this. Right. Because they wanted to see this from Roman Reigns for so long. I can see that. I can definitely see that. And and, and in retrospect, it's kind of brilliant to have him now with no fans do this heel character because you can't get that reaction out of the crowd. You can put in the crowd noise booing him because you want him to be that heel. But in reality, we love this because we wanted to see Roman be this way. Well, maybe that's part of the reason why they they did it now. I figured, it might not I figured, be a bad idea. Right. You know, they, they probably figured, okay, there's no fans. Let's do an experiment. Let's take the guy that we've been trying to push as a top face that people have been rejecting for the past five years and let's turn him heel. Well, he's doing things also that are not silly. He was doing some silly stuff before with the promos and the and it just wasn't connecting. Now they've he's connecting more because it's more to his true self. Right. Why can't they do this with more of the wrestlers? They make like you go out and shuck and jive and it's not part of your I, I, inner I think, self, you know? I think part of that's also on creative because you, yeah, you, look, right. at the, you look at the great characters back in the day. Um, nobody was writing Stone Cold's promos. Nobody was writing The Rock's promos. You know, like it was all yeah. organic. It would be like, okay, you got five minutes of promo time. Go out there, say what you want, and this and that. Now every promo is scripted. Superstars have to remember what they're going to say before they go on camera, and it doesn't feel authentic. You can't be yourself when you're being handed a script from a writer of what they think is best for your character, which is why, like AEW, I admire what they're doing. They're, they're, they're giving more creative freedom to the talent, which is good in part because nobody knows a character that's supposed to be you better than you. Right. Like, like and, and The Rock has said this before, it's just all the great superstars in the WWE that succeed, It's their character is their personality, but it's cranked up to volume 10. And it makes me wonder, is there a disconnect with Mr. McMahon? Is he relying too much on the creative writers? As, as uh, we know, the, the creative is the big problem here. But back in the day, you know, The Undertaker was he was given that role by Mr. McMahon. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of other wrestlers were told, okay, you're going to be you know, this wrestler and we want you to do this, but is it just that Mr. McMahon had such a good mind for it and now he's lost it, he's disconnected, he's he's got too many chefs in his kitchen? What's going on? What do you think? I don't know. Like, honestly, everything that I, I've seen in WWE is a fan. And, and a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's questionable. There's some moments here it's like, oh, my God, why did they do that? But you got to look at the shit that does work. And it's like, oh my God, that's genius. Because mm-hmm. this has me feeling some type of way that I don't think I would have felt if it wasn't for, you know, this happening. Characters that Vince McMahon has made, you know, given the proper push, when it works and it works, you're like, oh my God, you know, Vince is a genius. And then there's some things that we question and it could be because we're too smart for our own good. You know, like the Roman Reigns thing was basically being forced down our throats. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, it's like, we're, you know, you're insulting our intelligence if you want to keep pushing this guy, but we're not behind him. You can't, top baby faces in the business, they can't be pushed. It has to happen organically. The crowd has to get behind somebody, and then you make the push once the crowd becomes behind somebody, like Daniel Bryan. Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan wasn't supposed to be in the main event of WrestleMania 30. He was basically forced in there because the crowd was so yeah. behind Daniel Bryan, and he was white hot. Yeah. If you would have had a Batista versus Randy Orton main event at WrestleMania 30, that match would have been booed 30 <laughs> minutes. 
it's funny to think that that was even what their big plan was, you know? Right. And, and, and the thing is too, like even, and it's in the history of wrestling. If you just look back in time, if you look back towards the attitude era, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a heel when he became popular, but yeah. people got behind him because it was different. They were, they were sick and tired of the old Hulk Hogan, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. This guy's badass. He kicks ass. He doesn't give a shit what people think. I like this guy. And now mm. people started getting behind Stone Cold Steve Austin. And at that moment, the business was shifting. It was like you wanted to root for the cool badass. The NWO was popular yeah. with WCW. And WWE, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin. You had DX, Degenerates. You like, mm-hmm. These were guys that you could get behind and cheer for because it was different from what you saw before. And that's the thing with wrestling. Like, it's kind of similar patterns in different eras, but you just have to kind of feel what your audience is thinking. And that's why I think they made the mistake with Roman Reigns. It was because Roman Reigns was hot with the Shield. With the mm-hmm. Shield, they were hot. They could have kept the Shield going for a little bit longer, you know, and I feel like they broke him up too soon. They wanted to establish Roman as the guy, and I don't think he was ready to be that guy yet because the crowd energy wasn't there as a singles competitor. No. You know, and I don't think they're striking out as bad as they did with Roman Reigns then with guys now. I think it's been pretty good lately. I mean, of course, you're never going to have or you don't have the level. You're never going to have the perfect roster. I mean, like back in the day, we had Brock Lesnar, John Cena, like you said, Eddie Guerrero and everybody. But like I, I would I mean, put that I would put that ruthless aggression era roster against any roster in WWE in history. Yeah. Like there's just so much time because you had talent that was already established from the attitude era. And then you had up and coming guys who were trying to make their mark, like the Lesnar's, the Cena's, the or And you know, it's just so good. And it was so much talent to work upon and they were able to build characters at the right time that got audiences hooked. I mean, to me as a wrestling fan, without having to learn about Brock Lesnar through the UFC or after that, it almost seems like he was just as big a star before he left uh, from when he came back. I mean, absolutely. Brock yeah. Lesnar was a real deal. Like if, if I'm going to say this, um, this might go, might be considered a little blasphemous. If Brock Lesnar doesn't leave the WWE, I don't think John Cena's the face of the company. Well, I remember you saying that. Yeah. Because, like, Brock Lesnar was that guy. Like, I, I haven't seen anybody ascend to superstardom like Brock Lesnar had probably since, like, Kurt Angle before him. Yeah. Uh, but, it was, like, he, he was just awesome. But, obviously, he leaves. You need to find a guy to replace him, and it's been John Cena. And I don't think since John Cena we haven't seen that emergence of another superstar. I think Roman's close. But, That'd be cool. You know, I mean, I, I – wrestling fans we want the best i don't want to poop on this generation or say you know oh the, this is never going to be as good as it once was or whatever i think that it can be just as good in its own way but they got to find those right guys maybe roman reigns is is one of those guys keith lee i mean there's another right, I, I like keith lee a lot yeah he's good um i'm, I'm kind of jumping the gun here but you know there's some other wrestlers that I got my eyes on, but um, like who? Well, I think Big E has some potential, but I'm I'm waiting because he's been he's been on the roster for a long time, and he's still doing the same. Even after he's broken up from the New Day, 
he's still kind of the fun loving. I want to see Big E get intense. I want to see, you know, him he beat the hell out of somebody. You, you know? want to see you want to see Big E Langston. Yeah. And yeah, Big, Big E Langston. I mean, I remember Big E Langston and he was more of Dolph's sidekick even for right, that. In NXT, and I haven't seen most of his clips, but you know, what I've heard in the story of him is in NXT, he was he, I think he was the, I don't know if he was one of the first champions, but he was NXT champion and he had a, he had a pretty good character. And the thing is you see the charisma, you've seen it over the past how many years with the new day, you know, he's got, he's got, yeah. he's got the physical tools too. And he can be that guy. And I think right now they're actually, what they're doing on SmackDown, breaking up the new day, they're priming Big E for, I think for a future run right now. He's at a Continental champ. They're getting right now. They're giving him this time with Sami Zayn to see like, okay, how does he handle doing this? Can he take it a step further? And then we're going to see if he can do it. I think they tried doing that with Kofi Kingston part of because the people wanted it. But part of it was like, can Kofi hold his own? You know? And five I think seconds is all it took for that F5. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks, but like you, you look at because part of it is the title doesn't make the man. The man makes the title, yeah. in my opinion. You can oh, put absolutely. the title on somebody, but just because you put the title on him doesn't mean he's got that prestige now. And I love Kofi. Kofi Kingston's a man. And yeah. he had his his run up to WrestleMania 35 and becoming champion. Um, it was awesome. It was all organic, like that Daniel Bryan feel. That's what I was going to say. They tried to capture that magic of Daniel Bryan again. Right. Yeah. And then you let him hold the title. He had some good return matches, but it was like, okay, is Kofi Kingston the best option to have as the face of the company and WWE yeah. champion? And I think they saw past, especially ushering the new – SmackDown on Fox. You're going to have Kofi Kingston lead it. You're going to have Brock Lesnar. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. You pick Brock Lesnar 10 out of 10 times. I yeah. wish the match was better. It's for, I mean, especially if you build up Kofi for months, having him defend the title against Randy Orton, all these other guys. You know, right? These are big guys he's beaten. Right. You would think <laughs> he'd put on more of a fight against Lesnar than a fucking five-second match. But that's, yeah. the, that's the part where we nitpick everything. So, I don't know. We've gone... Crazy off topic here, just going from tangent to tangent. But I, it's, I mean, that's what we do. This is, like I said, when we started, and this is called the verbal smackdown because I think we're laying down some verbal smack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. um, I agree. But there was one topic I wanted to talk about as we go, as we move forward here on the pod. And it, it's a topic that's, it's got to be debated between all wrestling fans. But I'm going to ask you the question, Mr. Nick Taylor. Yeah. Who? is on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Well, this took some hard-hitting analysis on my part. I had to really think about this. I had to really think about a few guys more than more so than others. Hulk Hogan's a shoe-in, and Ric Flair is a shoe-in for me because they defined two eras. Hulk Hogan, of course, is responsible for a lot of success in the golden era of wrestling, and Ric Flair was there as well, but he's even had influence uh, beyond that, and of course, he's has probably one of the longest running careers. Anyway, I could go on about those, but the next two are a little tougher. I'd have to flip a coin on the rock and stone cold for one slot. It's a 50, 50. I tried to bring you, I tried to nudge, you know, 49, 51. I couldn't do it. I can't count the rocks movie career and say, okay, well, he's got this great movie career. It's therefore not, I'm gonna... it's about run for pro wrestling. You know? Right. It's about the wrestling, right. but if you if we were talking like the Mount Rushmore most influential wrestlers um, across 
That's a different many, movie. but a, across you know John Cena too has gone into movies, but I'm talking about just wrestling. Coin flip on that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's clarify this for a second. Maybe this should be called the Mount Rushmore of superstars, because if we say Mount Rushmore of wrestling, people could think that is like actual wrestling ability, like English. right. Well, hold on, because I'm trying. You got to help me. You got to help me find either he's going to go in Mount Rushmore, but maybe if we're going to change up what defines a Mount Rushmore, he would go somewhere else or whatever. If he doesn't go on Mount Rushmore, he gets his own mountain. Mr. McMahon. That's that's pretty. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I'll, I'll let you finish, but we'll, we'll talk about Mr. McMahon after. All right. And then... Um, my my fourth slot would have been John Cena, but so wait. Mr. McMahon's on the Mount Rushmore. He might knock John Cena off unless he gets his own mount. All right, so so give me just list your four names, and I want I want to talk about Hogan, them. Cena. Let's say Stone Cold or The Rock and Ric Flair. Pick one: Stone Cold or Rock. Flip a coin right now. Heads Rock, tails. Stone All right, Cold. Stone Cold. Right. So Hogan, Cena, Flair, and Stone Cold. Yeah, is your Mount Rushmore. Defines the eras. Okay. They defined, you know, the added the golden era, whatever your attitude era, whatever you want to call it, their respective time period. They didn't really overlap, you know what I mean? Like while while John Cena was wrestling, The Rock wasn't popular. I know what you mean. Okay. So you're taking you're taking, in your opinion, the best superstar from their respective eras. Yes. Okay. That's one take. That's one take on uh on Mount Rushmore that, that I like. And honestly, it's hard to argue because those are four of the best names in the business. But I'm going to argue it. I'm going to okay. argue, okay? Hogan and Flair are essentially how you feel about The Rock and Stone Cold. I feel like you could flip a coin with that one. And I'm actually, I'm going to give the nod to Hulk Hogan. Okay. Here's why. So Hulk Hogan is going to be one face on my Mount Rushmore. All right. Hulk Hogan might be the most influential name in professional wrestling. When you think pro wrestling... Everybody can associate that with Hulk Hogan. Or I should say, when you think Hulk yep. Hogan, you know what he's from. He's from pro wrestling. Whether you're watching the 80s and Hulk Hogan. So the generation before us, uh, Generation X, if you will, they grew up rooting for Hulk Hogan, watching Hulk Hogan. They grew up saying their prayers, eating their vitamins, because Hulk Hogan was the guy in pro wrestling. He was essentially the 80s version of John Cena. Yeah. That alone would be enough to put you on the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling, of his popularity, transcending the business, uh, Americanizing it, making it global. People forget Hulk Hogan not only dominated the 80s, but the 90s as well in WCW. And he did it as a heel. A heel. Yeah, it was. So here's the thing. You're so charismatic being Hulk Hogan. You transform one company into, you know, the leader in sports entertainment, the WWF. Then you go to another company in WCW who's up and coming. They've been struggling for a while. They sign you, the biggest name in wrestling. And now you're the forefront, the face of that company. Mm-hmm. And you get, you get basically bring pro wrestling to new heights that it's never seen before as a heel. And the yeah. world creating one of the greatest factions. That's why I put Hulk Hogan on the Mount Rushmore of sports entertainment. 
Yeah. Because he's charismatic, definitely not the best in ring. And I've, you know, between all the wrestling podcasts I've listened to and stories I've heard about Hulk Hogan, he, he's probably self-centered, wants to get all his shit in, whatever. You ask Eric Bischoff, he'll say otherwise. But Hulk Hogan is pro wrestling. He's got to be on the Mount Rushmore. I'm putting him Okay. Up. Number two. I'm putting The Rock. And here's why it's not a coin flip between The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin is great, no doubt about it. Stone Cold Steve Austin might be the most popular wrestler of all time. As far as merchandise sales goes, as far as the height of the wrestling business, he catapulted the Attitude Era. But The Rock did that in a way that made it absolutely mainstream. So he kind of piggybacked because you have The Rock and Stone Cold in the same area, which is it's absolutely nuts. Two faces who were beyond popular. But what The Rock did was he piggybacked off of Stone Cold. He was great. He did his thing. He electrified millions. He also brought it mainstream. He brought wrestling to the public eye. If you weren't watching wrestling, same thing. You know who The Rock is. Yeah. When he started acting in movies, people watch the movies because they, oh, that's The Rock. I've seen him on TV. He's The Rock. Yeah. Good in-ring. Hard to find someone who's better on the microphone than The Rock in his prime. I'll say in his prime. Mm -hmm. He's gotten older. His promos haven't been as good. But in his prime, there was nobody better than The Rock on the microphone. Not Austin, not anybody, this and that. Rock was the best. Yep. You look at what he's accomplished in the business in such a short time. His wrestling career is only seven years long before he retired in, in, in 04, just to come back in 2011 to face John Cena, mm -hmm. CM Punk. Seven years. Think about how many people have been wrestling now for over 10 years that we grew up with. Yeah. You know, Kofi Kingston was wrestling for 11 years. The Rock was only there for seven years. And here's yeah. the thing I'll say another thing about it. If The Rock stood longer than that seven-year period, he would essentially be what John Cena was, where we were getting sick of John Cena and him winning. Yeah. This and that. We would, we would probably get sick of The Rock. Because The Rock had done it all in the business throughout that seven years. He had nothing left to do, so... He, he moved on in the next point yeah. of his career. I'm putting The Rock up there. Stone Cold, great, obviously. Hogan, Rock. Okay. Now adding John Cena. John Cena, okay. John Cena following the greatest era in pro wrestling, in my opinion, the Attitude Era. How do you transcend it into that next generation? John Cena was the leading face of that. He not only transcended the next generation, but he brought it into the PG era. He brought it into the reality era. To this day, we haven't seen the next guy since John Cena. Yeah. And I tell you what, the business is a lot better with John Cena in it than without. Since John yeah. Cena's left, it felt like every John Cena master you had or every storyline he was involved in meant something. He could have been, yeah. been fighting Dolph Ziggler, you know, for the United States title. You still want to tune into that match because it was John Cena. You knew who he was, this and that. His rise and his upbringing, you know, like coming coming through the Ruthless Aggression Era, becoming WWE champion, having his rivalries with Edge, Triple H, Shawn Michaels. He was super Cena. He was beating everybody. Yeah. But it was the right time for him to beat everybody because there was nobody else on the roster who could touch him. Yeah. That popular. We give it to John Cena, 15 plus years. And in, in as the face of the company, you can't really beat that. And that's how he's Hogan-esque. And he did it 
all as a face, which is crazy. But because he, he could be a heel, he started out as a heel, and like I said, that's how people organically got behind him. Yeah, I'm switching. Three out of four faces: Hulk Hogan, The Rock, John Cena. The last face on that wrestling Mount Rushmore might surprise you, but it might not. I'm gonna go with the greatest character of all time in professional wrestling, The Undertaker. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's got to be, and the thing is, you look at Undertaker, and obviously he was never the face of the company at any specific moment when he was in the 1990s. You know, there were superstars like Austin and Rock who were ahead of him, but he's the cornerstone of the WWE. Yeah. The there hasn't been a greater character than The Undertaker, and how he's evolved his character over 30 years now. Crazy. Yeah. Nobody's had a I'm career like that. He came close to being on my Mount Rushmore, but... uh. Right. And everything he did and like how he for so long and now it's only gotten to the point where he's finally like on interviews and talk shows opening up about it. But for so long, he kept, you know, kayfabe like he was his own. Yeah. And like, like he was the undertaker. It wasn't Mark Calloway. Like Mark Calloway could essentially be dead. He was the right. Lived that character, which is insane. Yeah. So long. Sorry, that's my cat. And she's making her uh, debut on the podcast. She's going to be a frequent guest here and we are glad to have her yep she's she's laying down some verbal smackdown there you have it rock hogan cena undertaker i think i'll keep mine the same even though i see what you're saying that uh rick flair and hogan are they overlapped quite a bit and i love rick flair too yeah and rick flair is again one of the best you've ever done on the mic probably one of the best heels of all time too yeah um, and, and it sucks because we missed out a lot of good Ric Flair years of him not being in the WWE because he's known for his, like his NWA yeah. stuff and, you know, the four horsemen and all that and WCW. Yeah. He, he only had a small run in WWE. Like I'm not going to say in his prime, but when he became really popular. Yeah. And then obviously when he came back after uh, and did his thing with evolution too. So, yeah, that was good. Well, what about Mr. McMahon? Does he go on a separate type of Mount Rushmore or does he get his own mountain? I think he should just get his own mountain. That's how much I think Mr. McMahon has meant to the wrestling industry. So obviously you have Vince McMahon, who basically is the reason that we're discussing all these that's, characters. That's what I mean, you know. Because yeah. it's so funny. Like They talk about the Hall of Fame every year you know, at WrestleMania and stuff, but it's basically a Hall of Vince. Like which characters oh, get the yeah. push? <laughs> which characters got the push or he allowed to get the push to become popular and yeah. give them the opportunity to. So it's basically the hall of whoever Vince liked the most. Yeah. But um, now nah, like as a, as a, as a booker, obviously nobody, like he's a billionaire. There's a reason why he's been so successful for so long. There's a reason why he took his father and his grandfather's business and transcended it into something that they probably could never imagine. Yeah. As a character on screen, Man, there's not, there's not many who are better than, than Mr. McMahon. And, and that's the thing. I'm going to put Mr. McMahon, if, if we can, we're going to do this down the road, but if I'm going to make a heel list of top greatest heels of all time, Mr. McMahon's going to be number one. Yeah. And the thing is, he didn't even wrestle most of the time. He came in the ring a couple of times with Austin here and there, but just him and the stories that he told with his character as the boss, the evil boss, you wanted to see, you know, Stone Cold foil his plots, this and that. You always had you thinking, like he was just the perfect guy that you love to hate. Yeah, and uh, I think that's what makes him great. So I, I, I respect what you're saying, having him on his own mountain. 
yeah, just uh, Mr. McMahon, Vince McMahon, whatever the, the whole the whole thing. He's uh, he's you know you say the Hall of Fame is Mr. McMahon's club. It's all Mr. McMahon's universe. Rob, it's it's, it's all it's all about it's all his. But um, I, I I fear the day he's 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 no longer around. But uh, Triple H looks like he'll be taken over, and I think Triple H is he's in good hands with them. So They're definitely great hands. Uh, yeah. Triple H, another guy too, just especially him having that side where he's been in the business. I feel like he even has more of an idea, like how to react with the superstars, you know, going forward. Because Vince McMahon's obviously a promoter. He's not he's not one of the boys. Yeah, Triple H has been one of the boys, but he's also been behind the executive side of everything and seeing how the company works. Yeah. So I'd say the future is bright with Triple H and WWE too, because maybe he would take a couple of risks and do stuff that Vince wouldn't do, and we'll see how it goes going forward. But yeah, Vince is just—it's crazy. But yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, what we'll probably do is uh, once this episode drops, we'll post our own Mount Rushmores online. And you can decide whose is better, which ones you agree with. You can comment your own Mount Rushmore's, and then you know we can talk about that. Um, but I think a lot of people have most of the people that we had on our Mount Rushmore's. Yeah, especially about- Hulk Hogan. I mean, I think we've each got like one guy who would be maybe not, or maybe I don't know. Anyway, so now what? Got Mount Rushmore out of the way. We had some fun with that. Uh, what are we on to next? I mean, we've been going for some time here. I'm cool. I'm cool with just wrapping it up, calling it an episode, and saying, see you suckers down the road. And we don't want to spoil our audience. We want to keep them coming back for more. Yeah. You got yeah. a little taste of the verbal smackdown. You got <laughs> some insight about how we think and and, and uh, what to expect down the line. And, and that's the plan. You know, like I said, I wanted to make this podcast just because I've always thought we've had good conversations about wrestling and the goal is now just to keep the topics going. So down the road, we'll, uh, I'd say every episode we'll, we'll discuss different topics, whether it's a wrestler, whether it's a show that we want to talk about and just, you know, give our takes on it, debate certain things as far as, you know, stuff that's happened in pro wrestling. And then uh, we'll go forward from there. Um, Right now. I mean, we have, I guess I guess I can plug our Twitter account that we just started. It's uh, it's at verbal underscore SD, SD standing for SmackDown. So the verbal yep. SmackDown's on Twitter. You can give us a follow. We're gonna be posting stuff on the account, basically wrestling stuff. And then um, if you want to follow us, this podcast will probably be posted on soundcloud we're hoping to get up on apple Podcasts too if you have an iphone if you have an android we're trying to get on spotify as well nate mm-hmm. where can they find you on twitter and instagram and any social uh, i think it's called at nate's take at i think nate's that's what i called it i don't really uh i uh, i don't post much now but i guarantee if you start following me i will dazzle you with amazing tweets and also, I'll come right out of the woodwork for you. So, uh, I mean, you can follow me at, at Glenn Jr. That's G-L-E-N-N-J-U-N-Y-A um, on all socials, Instagram. So, uh, I think that's my Snapchat, too. Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. Um, Nate, we got a YouTube channel coming up soon? Yeah, we're looking. I'm looking to put up little uh, snippets of the podcast, this, that. Some promos that we could have for the future coming up, too. 
like I said, this is a work in progress. This startup, you know, we're trying yeah. to get trying to get some sort of a wrestling following. If you enjoy watching wrestling, talking about wrestling, this is a podcast for you. You know, it's just a couple friends talking about what we like, and that's pro wrestling. Uh, anything you want to say to the listener? No, no, I'm good. I've laid the verbal smackdown. All right, I'm done. I'm I'm good, man. That's pretty good. I've laid it down. All right. We will see you later. See ya.